Part three of The Grey Mills of Farley by Sarah Orne Jewett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. One noon in early March, there were groups of men and women gathering in the Farley streets. For a wonder, nobody was hurrying toward home, and dinner was growing cold on some of the long boarding house tables. They might have carried us through the cold weather. There's but a month more of it said one middle-aged man sorrowfully they'll be talking to us about economy now some of them big thinkers they'll say we ought to learn how to save they always begin about that quick as the work stops said a youngish woman angrily she was better dressed than most of the group about her and had the keen impatient look of a leader they'll say that manufacturing is going to the dogs and capital's in worse distress than labor how is it those big railroads get along? They can't shut down. There's none of them stops. They cut down sometimes when they have to, but they don't turn off their help this way, complained somebody else. Faith, then. They don't know what justice is. They talk about their justice all so fine, said a pale-faced young Irishman. Justice is nine per cent. Last year for the men that had the money and no rise at all for the men that did the work. They say the shutdown's going to last all summer anyway. I'm going to pack my kit tonight, said a young fellow who had just married and undertaken with unusual pride and ambition to keep house. The likes of me can't be idle, but where to look for any work for a mule spinner, the Lord only knows. Even the French were sobered for once and talked eagerly among themselves. Halfway down the street, in front of the French grocery, a man was haranguing his compatriots from the top of a packing box. Everybody was anxious and excited by the sudden news. No work after a week from tomorrow until times were better. There had already been a cut-down. The mills had not been earning anything all winter. The agent had hoped to keep on for at least two months longer, and then to make some scheme about running at half-time in the summer, setting aside the present work for simple yarn-making. He knew well enough that the large families were scattered through the mill-rooms, and that any pay would be a help. Some of the young men could be put to other work for the company. There was a huge tract of woodland farther back among the hills, where some timber could be got ready for shipping. His mind was full of plans and anxieties, and the telegram that morning struck him like a blow. He had asked that he might keep the card-room prices up to where the best men could make at least six dollars and a half a week, and was hoping for a straight answer, but the words on the yellow paper seemed to dance about and make him dizzy. "'Shut down Saturday night until times are better,' he repeated to himself. "'Shut down until times are worse here in Farley.' The agent stood at the counting-room window, looking out at the piteous, defenseless groups that passed by. He wished bitterly that his own pace stopped with the rest. It did not seem fair that he was not thrown out upon the world, too. I don't know what they're going to do. They shall have the last cent I've saved before anybody suffers, he said in his heart. But there were tears in his eyes when he saw Mrs. Kilpatrick go limping out of the gate. She waited a moment for her constant companion, poor little Maggie the doffer, and they went away up the street toward their poor lodging, holding each other fast by the hand. Maggie's father and grandfather and great-grandfather had all worked in the Farley Mills. They had left no heritage but work behind them for this orphan child. 
they had never been able to save so much that a long illness a prolonged old age could not waste their slender hordes away end of part three